listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. That, of course, is John Williams' Olympic fanfare, now the official music for the games as NBC broadcasts them each uh, every two years. Uh, the Winter Olympics are officially underway in Pyeongchang, South Korea right now, if you love bobsledding or skeleton or speed skating, curling or ice dancing, whatever it is, these are the games for you. Here to talk about what and who is exciting this time is John Neo, a sports columnist for the Detroit News. John, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Yeah. So does the hair stand up on the back of your neck like it does on mine when you hear that music? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I've, been to, I've covered six. Of I'm not in South Korea for this one, but I, I've covered six of these. And it, it is. It's a, it's, a, it's a unique spectacle. Yeah. And it, it, it will never stop being that. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it, it, you know, it's one of those things that uh, you you look forward to because you don't get it all the time, right? Uh, we have to wait four years uh, for each of the, each of the games that we have. So. Right. And when you, and when, and when you find out from these athletes, just what they've invested to get there sure. for this, you know, moment, that's when it really starts to hit home. Just, you know, the significance of it, just each individual story, they're, all amazing in their own way, and, and that's that's the sort of the magic of the Olympics to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's not exaggeration to say that for some people they spend uh, almost yeah. a lifetime, right, right. Uh, getting ready to, to to perform in these games. I mean, it, it right. Uh, no, sacrifice. absolutely. And and then that's you know in these sports that we don't watch until every four years that's the other piece of it too is this is their one moment not only for their careers and, and all the time and hours and blood sweat and tears but also their one chance for everybody to see what they've been doing and that and that's the other piece of it i think for a lot of these athletes is the significance is magnified that much more and it's a huge stage it's a grand stage it's also a I mean, your commercialism uh, was probably a good segue from the first segment to this because certainly that's a part of the Olympics as well. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. Uh, let's talk about some of the specific narratives that will unfold over the next 14 days uh, in Pyeongchang. Snowboarder Sean White is coming back for his fourth and maybe final Olympics. He's going to go for his third gold medal, which would make him the first in his sport to do that. He got a perfect 100 on the half pipe at a recent qualifying event. Uh, Sean White is a, is a sort of longtime Olympic <laughs> narrative, right? Uh, yeah. He, he basically invented, uh, for in Olympic terms, the, the, the sport that he competes in. Yeah, and it is. It's funny. I mean, he was the flying tomato, you know, all those many years ago, and he's, he's, he's now the old man on the hill. You know, he's <laughs> almost kids almost half his age really that he's competing against in some cases and uh but yet he is and he really had to scrap to get back um but this time he's back and he's still once he's there he's still a, a favorite if you will for the for the gold medal yeah. even at i think 31 years old <laughs> right which is ancient in olympic it terms is. right <laughs> <laughs> um uh, also there are two women uh, who are going to become the first African-American uh, female speed skaters to go to the Olympics. I didn't really know that that was happening. Uh, it, it showed up on my notes for the show this morning. Talk talk some about that. Yeah, and it's, um, I mean, uh, speed skating has always been one of those interesting sports because it, um, 
you know, we had Shawnee Davis who sort of broke a color barrier there years and years ago. And actually he was sort of in the news this week. He wanted to be the flag bearer for the U S team and coming back for another Olympics. But, but yeah, no, you've got a, a Ghana born skater there. And it's, it's to me, that's always one of the more exciting, exciting events is the speed skating. And so uh, the U S team has had a success there. I don't know that they're going to be meddling, but they're certainly going to be drawing attention and certainly from NBC's cameras. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we also have ice dancers from uh, USA and Canada who yeah. train right here in yeah. Michigan, Arctic Edge Ice Arena, which I guess yeah. is where they, they work to get to the Olympics, is in Canton. That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't know that either. Yeah, and we've, I mean, Detroit's always been a bit of a mecca for, for skating in the U.S., you know, going all the way back to Terry Lipinski, who will be the broadcaster, you know, analyst on the NBC telecast. This is her 20-year anniversary of her gold medal in ladies' figure skating. But um, you've got ice dancing for the last, more than the last decade, has really been found a home here with two significant coaches and then several athletes. And this year, um, really all all three teams for the U.S. in ice dancing will have a Michigan connection, but two in particular locally. Uh, and the and the most prominent will be Alex and Maya Shibutani, the mm-hmm. Shib Shibs, as mm-hmm. they call themselves. Mm-hmm. And you know they they're they're also you know obviously of Korean descent, so there's a, another connection. I think they will have quite a few fans right. in uh, in Korea, and you know they're metal hopefuls. They they sort of fell short of the. U.S. title they were expecting or hoping to have uh, back in January, but they're still medal contenders, and um, you know that'll be one of the things I think people here will certainly want to watch. I mean, they're they're local in in many ways, but you know, once high school in Ann Arbor and Ann Arbor here on, and, and once <laughs> University of Michigan have been training here for years and years, so yeah. that that's that's certainly one of the most local flavors will be the ice dancing competition. Yeah. Uh, You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is John Neo, a sports columnist for the Detroit News. We are talking about the Winter Olympics in Pyeongchang, South Korea, already underway. They aren't quite underway for us yet because we won't get to see the opening ceremonies <laughs> until later tonight. But that actually already happened, and they are going to start. I won't. Spo- I won't spoil it for you. I watched some of it this morning. <laughs> did you watch? I, I can't believe you did that. CBC. That's one of the. That's actually one of the beauties of living in Detroit. Is you can I watch see. it live if you want. You, you can get Canadian television. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you want to join the conversation, talk to us about the Winter Olympics. Talk about uh, the local flavor that the Winter Olympics has because of the training that gets done here uh, in southeast Michigan. Uh, talk about which sports uh, you're looking forward to, to seeing people compete in over the next two weeks. Give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Also, in a little bit, we're going to talk with NPR's Don Gagne about the attack on Nancy Kerrigan that happened here in Detroit in uh, 1994. Uh, He was one of the people who covered uh, that event. Uh, And so we're going to sort of flash back with him to that time here in Detroit. Also, there's a movie out now about I, Tanya, uh, which is about that attack on Nancy Kerrigan. So you want to stay tuned to that segment as well. But again, if you uh, want to talk about the Winter Olympics, give us a call, 
one nine. Uh, John, as you said, you've been to the Olympics several times. Talk about the the sort of experience of being there in the Olympic Village, uh, where these athletes live uh, while they're there, and and sort of the the camaraderie, the the, the spirit that comes out of. Uh, something like that. I mean, I think in in people's minds and in, certainly in mine, it's this sort of uh, extraordinary bonding with uh, mm-hmm. with people from all over the world. You know, literally an Olympic village. But uh, but what was your what was your experience like? Yeah, and that's always. I mean, there's always the political. I mean, geopolitical backdrop in this case with the Korean Peninsula and everything that's going on there. And I mean, even tonight was. Um, tonight there, I should say, this morning for us, was mm-hmm. was pretty significant. I mean, whether it was genuine or opportunistic, however you want to view it, with the, the two Korean teams, North and South, marching into the stadium together. Um, first time in, in, I guess, several years now, uh-huh. several Olympics for that. For that. But, um, and you had Mike Pence in the VIP box about 10 <laughs> feet away from Kim Jong-un's sister. So that's another... Uh, bit of awkwardness but no but among the athletes yeah it's it's this sort of collegial they're all in this together and it is it's a chance for them to find out more about not just their competitors but just all you know all of all the other sports themselves all the other athletes and, and so there is this it is a really neat uh aspect of the games is you got in this case in the winter Olympics, you got something like 3,500 athletes mm-hmm. there and they're all you know mostly all together um, so yeah, that's the, that's the, if you're looking for a happy and I don't know, you know, that's the, that's, I mean, a lot of it gets lost in the crass commercialism of it and the jingoism and everything else, but, but among the athletes themselves, certainly, yeah, there's a different, uh, there's a different feel. Um, that said, fair play is an issue in the Olympics yes. more than it just about anyway. And, and you have 160 athletes here competing in South Korea under a, an Olympic flag. They are the Olympic athletes from Russia. You know, Russia was right. found to be state sponsored doping in the last Olympics and banned and then reinstated. And so now they're, they're competing, but they're not competing. And that's, I think that's going to leave, I think it will lead to some some exchanges during these two and a half weeks that will make headlines in terms of athletes not wanting those Russian athletes there. And I think that will be one thing to watch, certainly. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, you mentioned the doping issue with the Russians. Um, it, it seems like that's something that, that unfolds now every Olympics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it does seem like something that, that – uh, threatens the, the the games in a way, in a more in a broader way than just one country, perhaps not being able to to participate. Um, uh, talk more about where we are with that that doping issue. Is the IOC uh, taking more sort of extraordinary steps to try to prevent it from happening? Uh, is it is it something that they're worried about in terms of you know uh, again a threat to the games in a broader sense? Well, it certainly is, and if you talk to the athletes, they're not happy with the the blinks that the IOC and the World Anti-Doping Agency have taken to sort of weed it out. I mean, there's always this feeling that the cheaters will be one step ahead of of, of the police in this, you know, yeah. case. But when you have what's 
the Russians did, and it was pretty well documented, the state-sponsored doping program that was run in Sochi, you know, was cloak and dagger stuff. And the fact that the Russians weren't banned as a team, as a country, as a nation from this Olympics, I think leaves a sour taste with a lot of athletes and almost a feeling of hopelessness in some cases. I mean, there was a you know, there's a U.S. athlete in skeleton racing who missed out on a bronze medal by four hundredths of a second to a Russian athlete who was later found to be, uh, you know, doping. Yeah. And then had that reinstated, and so now she's in limbo. She just, she doesn't even know if she was a medalist from the last Olympics right. yet. <laughs> four years, you know, four years later, and so that's a feeling of hopelessness. I think that some of these athletes have because, like you, like we talked about. I mean, this is their lives. This right. is what they've invested years and years and years and have it come down to then some sort of contested, you know, fraudulent right. result. I think it, it's it's pretty hard to understand unless you're in those shoes. It's, it's kind of hard to imagine what that must feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, before I let you go, tell me which, uh, which sport are you watching the closest during the Olympics? See, I'm a, I'm a sucker for those Alpine races. And yeah. I think, you know, and certainly NBC will be hyper-focused on that because you've got Lindsey Vaughn back, yes. certainly, but you've also got Michaela Schifrin, who will probably be the biggest U.S. star at these Olympics, and she could win, you know, possibly even five medals, but she's the new face of Alpine racing. She's been that way for for years now, but um, this will be her breakout games, and I think that'll be, to me, I think that'll be one of the exciting things to watch, is, yeah. and it's always exciting, you know, crashes, everything else, but right. it's always exciting, and <laughs> I think with the U.S. team the way they are, I think that will be certainly NBC's focal point. Yeah, yeah. I am, uh, as always, focused on the bobsledding. That is my favorite <laughs> like part of it. I like it all. I love that. Uh, and I, I love you know, the, and the sort of intricacy of that sport. You know, the, the, yeah, the, absolutely. the fact that if you, you know, flex – the wrong muscle at the wrong time, uh, you can put yourself off by by you know hundreds of a second and and end up uh, out of the out of the meddling. I mean, it's a it's such an intense uh, sport that requires so much concentration um, while they're doing that. And that's part of the that's the allure with the Winter Olympics for a lot of us. I think is it's sports you don't get to watch or you don't watch. I mean, you could that's if right. you wanted to, I suppose, but you don't. And so whether it's the biathlon or the the crazy Norwegian cross country skiers and their dominance, or the Dutch and their you know the flying yeah. Dutchman on the speed skating, it's it's all sorts of ways you can go with yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. All right, John Neo, sports columnist at the Detroit News. Thanks as always for joining us on Detroit today. Thanks, Stephen. We'll talk to you soon. Up next, we're going to talk about a strange part of the Olympics' modern history that we own right here in Detroit, the whacking of Nancy Kerrigan's knee. Don Gagne from NPR is up next on Detroit Today. 